Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday to you. My name is Tim Harris. It's 10 o'clock. That means it's time for Tim with Tim. Man, I love you guys. Uh, I'm getting in the habit of saying this now after several years of meeting you at 10 o'clock. I love it so much. Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much for making this a part of my day, a part of my week, a part of my life in the Word. Uh, You and I are connected in this way, and I just love it. Thank you. I know some of you go out of your way to join me live every day, and I appreciate that. That's amazing that you would literally stop your day and join me. Thank you. Uh, Others of you, I know you're doing the best you can to join me at lunch. You join me later, and and your uh, participation is no less welcome and valued. You're amazing. Thank you for doing that. Even those of you who join me on the weekend and just, you know, burn right through a whole week, of Tim with Tim. That's good too. You're in the Word. And that's all that counts. I just want you in the Word and you're helping me stay in the Word. So uh, everybody wins, right? Everybody wins. Uh, Acts chapter 21 verses 26 to 40, picking up where we left off yesterday. Uh, This is the arrest of Paul. Uh, Gosh, the book of Acts is is getting really pretty dramatic here. Uh, So don't get lost in the trials and uh, gosh, all the officials, uh, I know it gets kind of tedious, but it's really interesting and devastating at the same time. Remember that Paul is in Jerusalem now. The leaders of Jerusalem were glad to see him, also not glad to see him. Uh, Paul has known. Remember, all, all along this journey to Jerusalem, people kept saying, don't go, don't go, don't go. It's not going to go well for you. Remember how Agabus you know, took Paul's own belt and wrapped his hands and feet and said, you know, this is what's going to happen to the guy who owns this belt, you know, and, and we know who owns the belt. Uh, so anyway, all of that is beginning to be fulfilled here in our passage today, starting with verse 26. So Paul goes to the temple with the other guys. Remember, he is in order to, uh, to, to be, uh, what did Paul say in, was it First Corinthians chapter 9, to, uh, I become all things to all people, to the Jews I'm a Jew. So in this particular instance, this is Paul trying to be a Jew for the Jews. And again, he's not fake. He is a Jew. And all of these things are important to him. But Paul does sort of publicly, intentionally go through a personal ritual purification, which lasts seven days. And then he is personally sponsoring uh, the Nazarite vow of other men who were going to break that vow in a big ceremony at the end of that ritual of purification. So uh, I think they're probably more ready to go than he is, but now they got to wait seven days for Paul's ritual of purification to be concluded. And that's sort of where this picks up. The seven days were almost ended. Uh, in a ritual like Paul was undergoing, there was a ritual, I think a washing uh, in the temple on day three and also on day seven. So this is probably uh, day seven when Paul goes into the temple for that cleansing. Uh, and this is where he is uh, he's taken in uh, by the, the, the mob. Uh, the mob is sort of instigated by uh, Jews from Asia, the scripture says. Uh, Luke isn't specific here, but it's most likely Ephesus, uh, Asia, Ephesus, uh, remember when, uh, just you know, last week when Paul was saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders, uh, he mentions the, you know, the plots from the Jews. So it's most likely some of those Jews have now followed him uh, back to Jerusalem. And again, the, I don't know why they don't have any other full-time job other than to make Paul's life miserable, but it seems to be that's what they do as their full-time job. So they, uh, uh, they begin trying to strip the crowd in the temple complex. And they're saying, men of Israel, help us. This is the man who preaches against our people everywhere and tells everybody to, to disobey the Jewish laws. He speaks against the temple, even defiles this holy place. Uh, yeah. Uh, whew. 
Um, notice how, ironically, the charges against Paul here are almost identical to the charges against Stephen. Uh, really, I guess two out of three are identical. Uh, for Stephen, it was that, that Stephen had been speaking against the laws in this place, the, the Torah and the temple. That was Stephen's accusation, and of course, Paul was approving of all of that back in the day. Now, Paul has three charges, three charges, and one is different from Stephen. The first two are the same. He's preaching against the law. He's preaching against the temple, which I think that's, you're going to have a hard time proving that. I don't know that Paul's actually done that. But now the third charge probably has some validity to it, although as as Christians, and, and Paul as a believer in Jesus, he would insist that this is, you know, a fulfillment of the law, a fulfillment of Jewish tradition and not in any way in opposition to it. But if you're not following Jesus, you're not going to see it that way. It's that idea that he's preaching against the people, preaching against the Jews. Obviously, Paul's not. Paul's not anti-Semitic. Paul is a Jew. And in Paul's mind, following Jesus is the most Jewish thing you could do because he is the Jewish Messiah. But if you don't accept Jesus, if you don't see that, then understand the gospel has this amazing leveling power. That's why Paul says it's for everybody, Jews and Gentiles alike, and you don't become a Jew to become a Christian because it's the same gospel of the same Jesus who saves everybody. But if you're a Jew, always used to thinking of yourself as higher, better than, separate from the Gentiles, then that entire gospel leveling you know, is gonna be seen as preaching against the people. You understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Uh, Paul is just simply saying that, that there is no difference between Jew and, and, and Gentile. Remember how in Ephesians, actually, Paul talks about how Christ brings down that wall of hostility between Jews and Gentiles. If you're a Jew, and especially these Jews, having this fight out in the temple complex, that wall of division was literal. It was there. There was a wall, a vast wall that separated the, the court of the Gentiles from the temple you know, proper, which is where only Jews could go. A Gentile could not go into the temple proper. And, and this ultimately is what they accuse him of doing. Now he didn't, not even that is true. They're just kind of wishing he did or hoping he did because they need something to bring against Paul. So they're saying, you, you, know, you, brought, you brought Trophimus you know, into the temple yesterday. He's a Gentile, you took him all the way into the temple. You know, and and I'm, you know, in this you know, refusal to hear the gospel, in this refusal to accept the message of the gospel, it's, it's almost like you know, the, the temple gates are shut and, uh, and, and understand, uh, that's no longer the way of salvation. You know, it is the gospel, it is Jesus. And if the Jews reject Jesus, they won't be saved. They're no different from the rest of us. The only way of salvation is Jesus. And if you reject him, if you reject him, there is no other way of salvation. And so just, again, just this last scene at the temple, the last thing we find out here, the gates just slam shut as they drag Paul out. There is a commander of the Roman regiment. He's called a, a, a tribune, uh, a tribune, I believe, in other translations. Uh, listen, you're going to learn his name in a little while, but just for fun, read ahead. I'm not going to tell you today. Read ahead and find out his name because it comes up, not next chapter, but I think probably the next chapter. This dude's going to be important for a while. He is the, the tribune. He's the local Roman official, the highest ranking Roman official. And he's got one job and that's to keep the peace. They literally had watchtowers all around Jerusalem, but, but especially over the temple, because I guess they always thought if, if, if something breaks out, it's going to be at the temple. 
And so instantly they are on it. He immediately calls his soldiers and his centurions, centurions plural, uh, which means each centurion has a hundred men with him. So if it's plural, it means we got at least 200 soldiers. So it's not a small show. It is a big show of force that the Roman officer shows. He comes down, orders Paul bound with two chains. It's almost like Luke wants you to understand two chains. It's, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a detail that just seems kind of important. I don't know if that means that, well, it probably does. It's probably both. Uh, that Paul is bound by his hands. His hands are chained and also his feet are chained. Uh, two chains, you know. In, in other words, you know, bound hands and feet. But that's exactly what Agabus said. Remember that? You know, Agabus bound his own hands and feet and said, this is what's going to happen. And so, again, fulfillment, you know, in a chapter. You know, that's exactly what happens. Paul reaches the stairs. The mob grows so violent that the soldiers have to lift him over their heads. Uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, it, it could be that you know they'd already beaten Paul to the point where he's somewhat incapacitated and has to be carried, or it could just be his feet are chained, you know, and he can't move fast enough, and so the soldiers have to pick him up to carry him out so they don't kill him as they shout, "Kill him! Kill him!" Uh, at this point, it's interesting. Paul says to the to, to the Tribune, "Hey, hey, can, can I have a word with you?" But Paul says it so politely and in such you know perfect you know, Greek that the dude's like, "Well, you, you speak Greek, you know." He just thought he was dealing with some Jewish redneck, or, or even better yet, I, I thought you was Egyptian. <laughs> you know, there literally Josephus tells the story, and, and it's it's documented. There really was an Egyptian who led this you know mob of terrorists. Who were uh, and exactly as uh, as Luke describes it here out, out in the desert, uh, and the Romans uh, overtook them. Paul says, "No, heck no, I am a Jew, a citizen of Tarsus in, in Cilicia." Uh, now, in a moment or later on, it's going to become important that Paul's a Roman citizen, but he doesn't he doesn't use that card yet because he wants to speak to the Jews. He wants the the Tribune to know, I, "I'm not an outsider." I'm not a redneck, you know, I, I'm not a part of the mob, I'm not rabble rouser, you know, I, and, 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 it, and it works. The Tribune recognizes that Paul is an educated, refined man who perhaps can bring peace if he has an opportunity to address the crowd. So at that point, he gives Paul the freedom to address the crowd. Paul steps out, motions to the people, and begins speaking them to them in their language, which is Aramaic. Paul's, Paul's an amazing man, uh, but uh, but the walls are closing in on him. We'll pick up right here tomorrow. Again, it, it, it doesn't stop. The story just continues, and we'll pick up tomorrow. Chapter 22, and we'll go all the way through verse 30. Chapter 22, all the way to the end of that chapter, all right? Uh, listen, have a great Tuesday. It's beautiful. I'm going to try to talk to staff and having staff meeting outside. It's too nice to be inside. Uh, I love you guys so much. Stay in the Word. Uh, stay uh, with the Lord and, uh, and stay with me. I'll see you in the morning, Lord willing, 10 o'clock for 10 with Tim. I love you so much. Have a good day.